Hello, the recording is in progress. <laughs> Does that ever actually show up on the... Um... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, but it's okay. pretty funny. It's always well, the same voice. As we're talking about something that no one has ever heard in our viewership, little, little, welcome little back. Parasocial, little parasocial feeling there. Yeah, it's all meta. Um, I think I'm the Zoom voices friend. Isn't everybody? No. No, just you? Do you no, only Alexa. Phone? Only Alexa. Only Alexa. Interesting. Well, hi, we're back for uh, episode two of season of three. Season three. And um, yeah, we both were in a bit of a rough state to record yesterday. Today, <laughs> a time of recording is Monday. Hence, we did not, as uh, the Grand Prix yesterday also turned out to be an evening race. Hence, less time afterwards to record. So here we are. Mondays yeah. is becoming our new Sundays, it seems like. Well, the, the fun thought is the next race is in Melbourne, right? In two weeks. And it might... You know, because that, that'll be really early in the morning. That'll start at 7 a.m. So the thought is that we could watch that over breakfast and then actually record the podcast at a reasonable time. And get it <laughs> out, too. I still think that we'll find a way to be hungover <laughs> on that Sunday. We'll probably be drinking during the... That's a good day drinking oh, activity. For breakfast... The... Dude, breakfast beer? It's not carnival, man. Come on. No, but like Irish coffees? Bailey oh, and Irish coffee? coffees, that's a nice yeah, idea. Yeah, have a few of those. It's not a bad idea. Um, well, we had a very eventful weekend. Maybe before we get into uh, Sunday, uh, any any events transpired, Toby? Uh, yeah, I had a really fun weekend. Um, on Friday, actually, I had a little cocktail nap with some with uh, some friends, and I made the um the cocktail that the literary luscious taught us. Um, oh, shout out to the cranberry juice, luscious. pomegranate juice, uh, rum, and ginger beer, and uh, it was really well received. Uh, we had that, and we had um, aperol spritz, uh, made by our resident Italian. And uh, those were both really nice. Well, Aperol Spritz, classic. But what is the classic. other one called that the literary luscious? I forgot what it was called. I think it was, we, we had it as themed for the Mistborn uh, book. Yes. So, uh, book number two of the Mistborn. So I think it had something to do with that. Something smoky, something. Um, but I honestly can't remember because it's been over a year at this point, I feel. Um, but I, I still know what it is. It's um, a shot of... Um, a shot of rum. I had spiced rum, uh, and then equal parts cranberry juice, pomegranate juice, and ginger beer. That sounds well. It was good last time we made it. At least yeah. we had a we had a few substitutes, as I recall, but uh, it worked. Yeah, I, I I remember. Yeah, no one really got got everything together no. except for me. But I had a, I want to say a cranberry or either the cranberry juice you or were the pretty uh, pomegranate juice was a smoothie instead. So that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous cocktail, right? Because you taste, you, you don't taste any alcohol in it. Uh, so you can essentially pour as much rum into it as, as you wish, and it'll not make a difference. Uh, so you have to be a bit careful with it. I did it with uh, a double shot this time. And then, you know, in, in a standard sized glass kind of fill the rest up with equal parts of the other ingredients, but that was really fun. And it made me think back of the luscious uh, who I've been seeing around on Instagram. So shout out to them. Maybe yeah. uh, we can sit together and talk about another book series soon. Last time we talked to them was about was Halloween, right? For their uh, 10 days of Halloween thing. That was fun. Yes, indeed. indeed. Anyways, what about your weekend? 
Anything my weekend you, you'd like to report? Well, I spent most of Sunday actually in bed because it took me until it was three o'clock to realize that the time had gone forward in Europe at yeah. least because daylight saving time. Uh, so lost an hour of sleep there, but kind of made up for it because I stayed in bed until, as I said, three. Um, just a nice little uh, catch up on sleep um, for me. Friday was a bit longer mm-hmm. um, as we had a nice little party. Police ended up showing up and saying hi. And uh, yeah, it was a very nice evening. I was not the organizer, so it was not my fault. I want to put that out there, but I very much enjoyed being a part of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was essentially it. my weekend. You know um, that just because you're not the organizer doesn't mean you weren't part in the police being called knowing you. <laughs> well, I enjoyed being an observer to the whole phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the weekend highlight was in some way also the um, finish to the weekend, which was the Formula One race. Yes, in Saudi Arabia, covered by some controversy of the race even continuing to start with mm-hmm. before qualifying even started. Um, as and I'm not quite sure on what transpired, but there was uh, a bomb that had gone off not too far away. Well, it was a missile attack, if I understand correctly. A missile attack, some big explosion, and uh, it was deemed that there was some form of credible threat, obviously, uh, to the race taking place. Or the even the rest of the event, including qualifying and, and free practice three, but uh, turns out that they sat late together, the drivers' association as well as the teams, and came to an agreement that they would continue. Which a lot of people seem to kind of stamp off as the FIA wanting that big money contract with Jenna further, which is well often been kind of stuck out there as the reason why there's even a track in Saudi Arabia. But we did see a lot of fans uh, at the track that um, like a lot of locals uh, or people that live there locally that are big fans and the sport apparently is, is huge there. So it's nice to see that there's a race near to those fans' homes, I guess. Um, but yeah, we continue and we go into qualifying. I think that's where we should start as it was quite eventful and more eventful than most other qualifying sessions. Yeah, I mean, qualifying for me, the highlight of qualifying. You know, many fun things happen in qualifying. For me, the highlight or perhaps the low light was Hamilton being outqualified for the first time in what, this, since 2009, um, like on pure pace. That was really incredible. And it just goes to show how, you know, Russell put the Mercedes in a window where he could operate it really well and where he felt comfortable with it. Hamilton didn't, couldn't, whatever. It just goes to show how unreliable and how tempestuous of a car that thing is and if you don't have the trust in it and under braking you know on a track like this then you're not going to be fast absolutely and to add to that i think they coming into the weekend they were running on different setups or at least had you know each driver had given their input and i think they were not on the exact same page in terms of how to approach the weekend had russell gone with the same configuration as hamilton i think he would have maybe ended up a little further down um, I'm not quite sure in how much their cars were f- like configured differently, but that seemed to be the narrative in general. Russell got better and he had a really good weekend. Good for him. Finished P5 in the race. Uh, had a solid qualifying. Um, yeah. Hamilton had a solid race. Like, you know, not terrible, but uh, he got screwed at the end of the race. Um, but his qualifying, that was, I think, the first time since 2017 that he's out in Q1. Uh, so, five-year span of him being in Q3 consecutively, mm-hmm. which um, quite impressive. But yeah, so that was an event. Another big event, high, more of a low light, 
uh, of, of qualifying, if we're, if we're starting with low lights, is um, Mick Schumacher. He had a really, really big incident, big crash. Uh, basically, that crash kind of shows why people were very anxious or curious as to the construction of the Jeddah Grand Prix, the track in general, and the dangers that it evokes being a super fast street circuit. This fastest one, I think, on the on the map. Yep. And um, yeah, it kind of yielded in, in the, the whole qualifying being postponed by an hour, essentially, just to clear up the track, the debris, make sure the driver's okay. But apparently he is uh, a-okay, didn't race on Sunday, precautionary, more for the car, actually, than for the driver, yep. which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Uh, but Mick seemed okay. He was at the track all day. He himself claimed he had no bruises, no bumps, no nothing, no pain, which if, if that is true, and it's not just a bit more PR overhype to like, you know, keep his own state around, but like, uh, that's amazing for the safety because they did increase the, the most of the weight increase this season came from, um, these, the extra safety precautions actually. And he hit it sideways into the wall. Yeah, at, I think 160 miles per hour. So um, it worked at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching it and thinking, oh, wow, this this was really, really bad, right? Uh, that scene of them trying to pick up the car by the kind of top element and the car just crumbling in half. And I I didn't know that he'd gotten out of the car at that point. I thought he was still in that. And I thought, oh, wow, did I just see someone die, you know? And it was it was really, 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 really bad watching that. And then, you know, figuring out later, okay, you no, know, he was actually all right. And he, he'd gotten out of the car. Yeah, the car crumbled because that's what it's designed to do, you know, um, t- transferring the energy into breakable parts and then breaking apart. But still, it, it as you say, it goes, it goes to show just how much we've improved. Well, Absolutely. We... Well, also, I mean, this crash was not so Halo present, but we've had it in the past few years. The, probably mm-hmm. three lives have been saved of drivers because of the Halo introduction. So yeah. I don't think teams question new safety regulation introductions that much anymore because if you look at the last 15 years, there's been solid improvement, like very, very, very good improvement. Sadly, not all accidents have been able to like not have a, a dead driver at the end of it, but um, the rate is increasing, which is good. So that was, I guess, kind of a happy moment out of the weekend because he got away from it and it was okay. And he was all smiles at the end of it. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll continue seeing what's to come in the future on Mick. I think he's going to have a good weekend in Australia. I think he's going to oh, I hope so. Australia, though, also a fast track that is kind of semi-city, you know. Uh, Melbourne is bit. in Albert Park. So they have a bit of runoff, you know, but it's still, I rem, uh, remember back, I think it was 2017, the big crash between Alonso and one of the Hasses, I want to say Magnuson actually, um, or someone else, um, them crashing into the right left. I forgot, uh, I forgot which number of, uh, which number it is, but yeah, that was really bad. And if something like that repeats, you know, I wouldn't put it past. Uh, the current dri- uh, drivers line up to have a big crash there because there's a few people there who haven't really raced on that track in Formula One. We haven't been back there in two years. Absolutely. Plus the changes, they'll make a big difference. Like the drivers weren't even sure in the interviews what exactly to do there. Um, 
so that, but I guess we'll focus on that in a bit, uh, the more detailed, or we'll, we'll, we'll do it in a future video as we have a few weeks now. It's not a back-to-back -back anymore. Um, the first half of the season tends to be a little bit easier on the drivers in terms of scheduling, and then they just cram as many races as they can in the back end to like get it close to 30 races, it seems. Um, in terms of uh, qualifying, as we just said, so Schumacher, which this was crazy, though. The reason he crashed is not like something stupid happened. He was on pace to get into Q3, and Kevin Magnussen was already going into Q3. So this would have been both houses in the final qualifying round, which would have been a really big deal. Now, there were several drivers kind of vying for that 9 and 10 spot, and uh, Schumacher really had to put in a really good lap, which is why he was fully on the limit um, in terms of like how much he was daring to do. And, well, it's went a slightly bit overboard and, uh, you know, he lost the, I think the rear end at one point, and then it just hit the wall immediately, and he slid for two more corners. Yeah, well, he went over the curb and kind of lost connection to the ground, and then just everything stepped out. I mean, just, I think it was the rear that kind of broke out first, but at yeah. that point, you know, you're essentially airborne, considering Absolutely. you know how much traction you actually have or how little, I should say. Absolutely. Um, I guess another highlight worth mentioning is uh the person who got pole in this race which uh, we've kind of jumped over now looking at the race on uh, sunday but perez uh put in a very 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 nice uh final lap in q3 uh and just beat leclerc for p2 um and signs followed that with p3 for stopping only getting fourth which was somewhat of a shock because he seemed to have quite a bit of pace with him the weekend in general uh, then we yeah, had I didn't Alpha. see that coming, to be honest. Yeah. No, no, I thought at least he'd be third. Um, but frankly, I didn't expect Perez to out qualifying. And it's only the second time that's ever happened since they've been teammates. Uh, so, like, this, this would seem to be at least more of an anomaly. And um, yeah, I wonder if we'll see this again this season with the car switch up, like we see it with Russell and with uh, Hamilton, right? Mm -hmm. So Russell qualified sixth. This is another thing. Hamilton qualified in 16th. Uh, a significant difference. Uh, and I wonder if that's because of different setups or just one person had a solid weekend and another did not and was very off the pace and very unusual. I didn't think Hamilton did a particularly bad job. He didn't seem to do anything super wrong in, in any case i just don't think he's vibing with the cars you said earlier yeah another yeah, he uh, didn't have any like obvious obvious mistakes during the lap it was just not no, good no um someone who wasn't able to even compete in qualifying sadly as well as the race was sonoda uh right before qualifying or during uh in it his uh engine stopped there was an issue and uh they were not able to fix it to partake the same thing happened for the race on sunday by the way, uh, yeah. that's something which is off. really concerning for the Red Bull engines, right? Every Red Bull engine that started the season was out before qualifying um, or essentially has had a has had a fault that stopped it from participating before um, qualifying in Saudi Arabia. You know, um, Pierre Gasly's one caught fire in Bahrain. Um, yeah. Verstappen Paris is kind of choked and, and died up for whichever kind of vacuum you reason. Um, it's not good. It really isn't. Not a good sign. Well, I mean, they have a blistering engine, right? But just with their straight line speed. But now I know for a fact that Gasly's issue when he flamed up was due to the MG UK uh, part malfunctioning. I'm not sure if that's immediately a part of the engine or the diffuser. 
I'm not quite sure if that would belong to the powertrains part. It's it's part of the powertrain, yeah. Well, part I of thought, the part of the engine package. Because I thought it wasn't it, well, it wasn't the same issue, and I wonder if Red Bull in general is going to have to face like five different types of issues now and be concerned about all of them. But it seems so far that the Red Bulls have not been affected by whatever the Alpha Tauris have been affected by. That's so far, fair. yeah. And Gasly, he ran a solid race. Uh, to be fair, um, yeah, yeah, he said he had some issue in the last five laps. Um, I was actually listening into um to his post race radio messages, and he was like, he was saying like, yeah, the it felt like uh, I I had a I had food poisoning or I felt really poor, um, like his stomach was hurting or being hurt, oh. something like that. So that explains why in the end he kind of fell off the pace a bit. That's interesting. I had not heard that yet. Um. Another qualifying, uh, I think at this point it's a highlight, to be honest, and maybe uh, this is, this is uh, I, I don't know, but Latifi is showing more and more that he is a paid driver, and he really put his stamp on it this weekend with two crashes in two days, which yep. I think has not been accomplished in quite a while. I don't even think, I don't even know if that house has accomplished it last year. <laughs> but, um, but Latifi put his car into the wall um, in qualifying and therefore ended 19th. He was okay as well. That's good. Um, and briefly after Mick had his incident in terms of chronology. In the race, Latifi then caused another safety car, which uh, impacted the race results to some extent. But we'll get into that in a bit, I guess. Um, yeah. And then who else? Did, well, McLaren did better in qualifying. That would be the final shout out I'd want to give, um, at least comparing last week's performances. They're not at McLaren's expectations for the season yet, but they finished 11th and 12th um, fairly close together. I think they were within a second of each other. Uh, Norris outperforming Ricardo. Yeah. Within a second isn't much, though. Huh? <laughs> it's, it's a lot, though. It's a lot. It's true. It's true. But in the race, uh, it was looking the other way around. And um, if I open the results here real quick, we can go through the race results as well. What was your favorite part of the race? Or who uh, was your funny. winner of the race? That's funny. Know. I was talking about my favorite part of the race uh, just earlier today during a little break at work. And um, I got to say, I mean, the, the Verstappen Leclerc fight was awesome. But personally, I enjoyed Akan and Alonso's fight the most. Uh, just, just because they were an equal machinery. Absolutely. And you did like unless the car didn't look the same delivery wise you wouldn't think they were teammates for those like 10 laps yeah. or 12 laps it yeah. was very intense and uh the cool thing was the at least it seemed like it on the broadcast they were interviewing uh like the team principal at the same time while this was going on yeah and like asking him like are you not telling your drivers to stop this like come on this can't be good for the team and they're like oh no we're just racing they're allowed to race and it's gonna be okay and you know, honestly, it was a really good spectacle. For me personally, I think the winner of that is BWT because yeah. this is, I think this was the last race of the season, actually, that they're running the um, the pink livery. I think it was for the first two races or, or one more in the season, but not very many at least. And this is their like full logo ship and they got so much TV time in the first half of the race. Uh, yeah. Very, very, very well paid off at least. And it was really good racing. That was... Uh, that's probably the moment I would pick as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you just had some supreme... I mean, uh, brave being brave and being an idiot kind of go hand in hand, but uh, just some supreme racing. You know, uh, Akon closing the door on Alonso. Alonso a few laps later 
uh, shutting the door in the overtake into uh, turn two. Um, but it, all of it, while aggressive, was still within you know the limit of the kind of new age racing that we won from Formula One. Um, and, and to some degree was fair, you know, they, they played hard, they played fair, they didn't crash, had they crashed, it would have been different, at least in my opinion, but it, it was a great thing to watch, it was really, really fun. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, I don't think we've had this few finishers in a Formula One race for a really, really long time. Well, Hungary okay. last year, we had 12. Was it 14, Hungary? I think. Yeah. I thought it was 14 in Hungary. Maybe, maybe. Let's let's have a look. Uh, you talk, I'll have a quick look. But basically, um, so Mick Schumacher, as I mentioned, didn't start. Tsunoda, who had an issue at the beginning of qualifying, therefore didn't have a qualifying and was, was basically bound to start at the back end, had an issue right before the race that determined they couldn't start. Latifi, um, who crashed in qualifying, he did start in the race, but he crashed later on, and we'll get to that in a second. There was several other retirements, um, three quarters till, you know, nine, nine tenths of the way of the race. And Bottas, Alonso and Ricardo all suffered various issues that just led them to retire. Um, Bottas was more engine related. Uh, Alonso had lost power. Ricardo, I think, had overheated, if I'm not mistaken, um, or Alonso had overheated, uh, one of the two. Uh, Albon, he DNF'd because right at the end, he had a small collision with Stroll, which deemed him unable to go any further. And there is our P13, our last place of the race in P13. Lance Stroll, which I think uh, Aston Martin can be pretty happy with the positions they finished in, uh, with Nico Hulkenberg outperforming Lance Stroll because of that. Again. Again. <laughs> um, and really embarrassing. To some degree. Terrible, I mean, yeah. yeah, he had to crash and, and yada, yada, and blah, blah, but it wouldn't have happened otherwise. But still, uh, Aston Martin gets P12 and 13. Guang Yuzhou, who, uh, this is interesting, for the second week in a row, Alfa Romeo have had the same issue at the start of a race. They seem to have an issue getting off the line, and um, it takes them significantly more time. Their engine then sometimes stalls up. This is what happened well, to, to Bottas Joe. had a good start this time. Bottas had a good start this time. It was uh, Joe Guan Yu who... Um, you could really hear it. They they replayed his start and they, they said they had an oscillating clutch connection or pedal or whatever. Essentially, yeah. in my mind, meaning they can't efficiently bring the revs that the engine puts into uh, into the uh, into the drive shaft, I guess. Um, they can't efficiently bring that into the connection and then into the tire. So it's kind of, you know, as if your foot were shaking while you take the uh, your foot off the clutch pedal. Yep. Yep, and that really cost him a lot of uh, spots at the very beginning. So if we compare that to where he qualified, well, he qualified in 13th, but considering that there was like, you know, five or six cars, seven cars that didn't finish, um, he made up two positions. And uh, obviously some of his progress, I think, was killed a little bit by the final safety car. Um, but he, after that issue, kind of fought back and had an okay race. Nothing super spectacular. It was all right. Uh, his teammate, Bottas, had to sadly retire, as mentioned beforehand. But up until then, he was doing another points finish worthy job. Um, up until he came into the pit stop and that kind of screwed him up. Oh, I'm sorry. What actually messed up Guang Yuzhou even more, or Zhou Guang Yu, I'm sorry, is uh, that he was supposed to serve a five-second penalty. He came into the pits... And for some reason, the team screwed up his five-second penalty that he was supposed to serve right there before they 
hit him. And that led to, I think, a, another penalty. Um, and then we get into the points. Toby, do you want to take over? Looking at the um, points finishers. Well, we spoke about Hamilton and his race earlier. I yep. think 10th for Hamilton wasn't that good a result. I think he was on track to finish 7th, 8th, had he not gotten unlucky with the pit lane entry uh, during the virtual safety car. Which is why I'm not going to dock him for his performance there, at least for that specific reason. Like yeah. The pit lane was blocked and he had to. And technically he could have still gone in but it could have meant like i think he like that that really kind of wrecked his last few laps at least yeah i mean all things considered um i think for for how uncomfortable he's obviously with the car he did a he did a pretty good job but he could have still gotten a lot more out of the entire race mercedes as a whole could have um <clears throat> magnuson same for him actually well he you know he did a superb job again having gotten back into formula one only so recently I do think he also probably had the potential to do more. And I think he said so on, on the team radio after the race, you know. Um, but well, fair enough. For, also for him, ninth is a, is a great result in this case, just because of how, um, how recent his re-entry was. Well, and when's, for the team as well, when's the last time Haas scored in two consecutive races? Yeah, that's that been a while, while ago. 2019, 2018? Um, also, I mean, at the end of the race, uh, Kevin Magnussen, Lewis Hamilton, I think Nico Hulkenberg, and I'm not sure if there was another driver, they had not been able to pit in that final safety car and uh, were kind of left out on worn out or getting worn out hard tires and all still had to pit. Um, and that made it really complicated for them. They all got unlucky and a little bit shafted there by the way things played out. Same as Perez, by the way, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but I think that really, I honestly, Magnuson was under the same conditions as Hamilton and outperformed him. I think that's that's a it's weird to see Mercedes in P10. It's weird, yeah. As, as much as it makes sense, it's still odd to me after eight yep. years. But yeah, P9, P8 was uh, then Gasly, uh, P7 getting some points for McLaren was Norris. Uh, they had Norris had a great last ditch battle with Ocon um, into the final corner. And I think Ocon learned from his being overtaken by Bottas last year on the final stretch. Uh, they had, a, if you look at their times, they were uh, less than a tenth of a second apart on the finish at the end of the day. But Ocon held out, got P6. Russell with his solid race, as mentioned before, and got P5. And then we have our pole sitter, Sergio Perez, who finished in fourth. This was for him. I don't think he did anything wrong in this whole race. There was no. there was nothing. He had a great start. He immediately shut off uh, Leclerc, who was chasing him down at the start, and immediately built a gap. And when it was time to pit, or there was a dummy call by Leclerc, and maybe you want to elaborate on that. Um, but yeah, he, he ended up getting shafted. Or unlucky. Well, I mean, I, I don't... Yeah. The dummy thing, you know, it's, it's it's such a conundrum because if it had, if it had gone the other way around, we wouldn't be sitting here and calling it a dummy move. We would be caught, you know. I think it was just pure chance. Ferrari was, was doing 50, everything. 50. Ferrari was doing everything right. You know, they they had the uh, apparently had the tire degradation advantage. They went right. We'll do whatever he doesn't do. We think we're fine either way, and then they just got immediately lucky. Um. Yeah, so that was really interesting. But I do agree with your thought on on Paris not doing any, not making any mistakes during the race. 
Um, he his, his start was superb. He led the race wonderfully. And he was even catching up to Carlos Sainz towards the end there. And I think with a few more laps or maybe with a bit more luck on the tires for, for Paris, he would have probably had that third place. He really drove a great race, which is slightly overshadowed by the fact that um, we had such a tense fighting between Leclerc and Verstappen um, and further back down in the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the one thing which, you know, could have been called differently, I guess, what what be, the one thing you could be critical of, I guess, with the stewards here. So uh, after Perez had pitted, um, he pitted a bit later than Signs did, and uh, he came out, and they came out right at about the same time in the pit exit or pit lane and re-entry to the track. And Perez beat him in the corner in total, but I guess at point of entry, there's a specific line where Signs was ahead. And while that is a like that's that's not anything Perez could be at fault for because his pit window was X and signs was that much quicker in millimeters, I guess. But um, they took so long to decide that they Perez had to give the spot back after the restart. And if they had done this quicker and made the decision quicker, they could have made them swap. Mind you, they had like a lap, a lap and a half and they could have made them swap before the restart. So signs has P3. Perez has P4 at the restart, and that could have given him a bit more ground, a couple more laps. Um, but at the same time, you have the rule that you can't overtake during the safety car. So yeah. I don't know. Um, that, but Nothing that Perez could really do there. Uh, so I feel a bit bummed for him that he didn't even get a podium in this race. And uh, again, signs, quiet weekend, but, you know, two podiums in a row for two quiet weekends. That's pretty solid. He got P3 and Leclerc and Verstappen finished P2 and P1 respectively. Um, great battling on their front. That's kind yeah, of... Yeah, that was really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and, and the way that... I think this is the era where Formula One, the highest league of, of, of racing, the, the most on-the-edge racing is... Um, although I guess we could argue MotoGP is pretty on the edge as well. But... Uh, DRS is now a whole tactical thing because these cars are more like go-karts that you can actually, when you get past, you can battle back. The, the tires don't play as big of a role because the cars are built to be closer together. So DRS is being used completely differently. And uh, we saw it in the first race and we see it in this race that having that first position is maybe less important than where you are on the track compared to yeah. your uh, competitor in that moment. And, I think it's going to be super interesting how it plays out the season and how it might even affect the rules going into the few, next few years because people have been loving and hating DRS for for years now. Yeah, I think the most accurate is that people have been have loved to hate DRS. Huh? Mm -hmm. I've I've always from the very beginning DRS was introduced. I mean, mind you, I was, I was quite young then, right? I've I always preferred the idea of DRS over the idea of of like curse back when curse was still like. A big deal you know when you'd see the graphics of how much they're using now kind of the electric energy storage like that is just a thing we accept yeah um but i've never minded drs um i've never minded drs as much as other people you know okay fucking hell a little flap in the back opens up i mean we're gonna have drs trains with or without drs you know slipstream slipstream trains so might as well make it exciting to some degree yeah um, but of course i'd be happy to kind of see it not have to be there as much anymore because it is really powerful especially for a car with a top speed advantage already 
really well, powerful. I think the raceability of the cars also impacts the um, engine manufacturer side of things, right? Like how many people are going to be entering to make an engine because it really changes how good the car is. Like you, you compare, um, I mean, it depends on the car configuration, obviously, but you compare the, the Red Bull engine, which is super crazy on the straights and just the power advantage it has, for example, on the Mercedes and even the Ferrari, we saw it like it, it, it can take a 10th or two out of uh, a straight, which is crazy just, just by raw power. And uh, that's without DRS. So well, maybe it increases the competition of being an actual engine manufacturer and wanting to to take that extra investment, which would be really yeah. cool because it opens up a lot of more doors for more teams. It is still fascinating to me how how much Mercedes has kind of fallen off uh, in the engine department because they were so superior uh, when the turbo hybrid era started. And uh, Lando Norris mentioned it yesterday. Um, he said the reason the McLaren went relatively well around this track is because there is a lot of mid to high speed corners and not that, but not that many like pure straight line speed straights and not that many slow corners. And he said, those are the things the McLaren struggles and low speed corners is one thing, high speed corn or high speed straights. The fact that they're shit there is going to be down at least in part to the engine, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's just insane to me how, how Mercedes, who've been dominating engine-wise for so many years, have just kind of into obscurity. Like, even the Alpine looked stronger. Than the Mercedes? Yeah, engine-wise, I thought so. Do you think the Alpine and the Mercedes could be battling for third this year? Or do you see Mercedes making significant development progress? I see Mercedes making, like, huge development progress. I think by the, by the time the summer break ends... Uh, so roughly halfway through the season, I think Mercedes are going to be firmly in the fight for the top three. But A, I think it's going to be too late <clears throat> for them to mount any challenge. And B, that is the pessimist in me. Yeah? Um, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, Mercedes, you know, they have all the pedigree um, and all the self-reflection to kind of go into this. But I'm beginning to think that there is a good chance that they just might not, you know, it's happened before. It's crazy to see because we may have seen Hamilton's last championship. Yeah. Because it's tough to build with another team. And I don't know if Ferrari is going to like throw away one of their two drivers for a 38 year old Hamilton. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's, that's the thing, you know, Hamilton two years ago, I think every team would have wanted half Hamilton. Right. But right now Red Bull isn't going to, Red Bull is committed to Max. Uh, they're not going to take Hamilton. Yeah, they're uh, not going to get Perez and ha- uh, like Perez out and Hamilton in, for example. Yeah. Ferrari? <laughs> I mean, Ferrari, yeah, maybe Ferrari would kick Sainz, but I think they're pretty happy with Sainz right now. <laughs> and additionally, they have prob- they have quite a few drivers lined up, right? That they could that they could move towards. As well um, as Red Bull. Red Bull has five drivers in the youth account in F2, I think yeah. they have five. So that that's nuts. Yeah. So what top range team would take Hamilton? I don't know. Or what like if Haas makes crazy developments, maybe Hamilton buys into them a little bit. They share ownership. He gets his own F1 team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, you floated that idea before. I like the idea because I'd like to see that name stick around in F1 longer. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I Hamilton's changed racing in a good way. 
like the culture he's brought to it and he's changed it and affected it in a really, really good way. Yeah. And I'd like to stay, see that stay like, um, you know, Jordan, for example, stayed around for quite a while. Uh, McLaren is there. That's the prime Williams. Example. Williams is a huge example as well. So there's these names and you, you know, you like them. Yeah. Yeah. But it is an interesting thought. Um, uh, there was one, there was another thing I wanted to discuss. Uh, let's see if I can remember. Ah, yes. <clears throat> um, I am interested in seeing how how Melbourne will go, right? Because um, uh, Peter Windsor made a point of saying, yeah, so um, uh, the Ferraris were stronger in the first sector where, where it's more grippy, where it's more aerodynamic, less straights, and then the, the Red Bull was much more comfortable in, in sectors two and three that are really much, much quicker, you know, much more full-on pace. And I'm, you know, he's, he then went on to saying, yeah, so Melbourne is is kind of this like grippy, uh, has a grippy half and then has has the long back straight. But even there you have a have a bit of a braking zone and then a real reacceleration zone. So Ferrari should really have comfortably have the upper hand. And I'm just interested in seeing how that goes, because I do feel that Red Bull made the conscious choice to have very little downforce on the car this week. Uh, last week, I should say. So. I'm not sure I agree with that with that assessment of, yeah, Ferrari. You know, they keep their current uh, keep their current priorities, and they're just going to drive away with it. Uh, because I think that maybe Red Bull, because they have that straight line speed advantage, maybe have the advantage of being able to put more downforce at less relative cost into it. Also, I think Ferrari is going to re-examine their position of okay, let's go for downforce, and might also start stacking up a bit with regards to speed. I'm just really interested in seeing. And seeing them go to a few tracks that are, you know, yeah, just Honestly, a few tracks that are a bit older, are a bit different than the two we've seen so far. That thought is what made my prediction in terms of who wins the drivers and the constructors championships. That's why I picked Max to win the drivers and Ferrari to win the constructors, because I figured at least the first half of the season, they're going to be more consistent with both of their drivers and getting results. Um, but Max they're going to stick more development into him as we saw over the previous seasons just to make it perfect and bring him over to the top. And it doesn't seem like last year's, you know, long-term like late development stages, they pushed so much into last year, which is what Red Bull and Mercedes were saying that it affects their performance this year. You would only expect that Red Bull, if that's true, them to get much better in the like rest of this year and that they had a slow start for their perspective which leads me to believe that max will go over the top you think so i yes. was surprised Although, by how civil they stayed i love it to be honest it's cool because all that hamilton and verstappen drama and it wasn't even the drivers that created it to be fair but here we just see like crazy hard racing but very fair and patient and maybe that's to some degree due to the cars right because they're a bit maybe easier now to get close so apparently it is right so that's a good thought mm -hmm. yeah so i'm curious for for australia i guess we'll see what comes yeah yeah i mean uh, also revised track so technically none of the drivers have driven it um but obviously you know people who've driven around melbourne will have a bit more experience here um fun track very fun track um usually the first in the calendar so usually the one where we kind of see people shake down and really decide who's got what up their sleeves. Obviously not going to see that this time. So we can expect uh, Ferrari and Red Bull to be the 
um, to be a bit ahead than probably Mercedes, maybe Haas, etc. PP. Um, but I'm excited for it. If it wasn't at seven in the morning, the race starts at seven in the morning. Yes, sir. That's fun. Yeah. Well, race in bed is always fun, but I guess yeah. most most races are good for European times. So um, yeah, I like, think it's fine. If you if you're in the states and you follow Formula One, it's not as nice. No. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll have a fun time in Melbourne. I'd be interested to see if uh, Schumacher crashes again. God. Yeah, I hope that doesn't stay in his head and he kind of affects his driving. Because as good as Haas is now, sadly, Magnussen joining and being so good has put his future in the sport at, at, at risk. Uh, it's a real challenge because if he underperforms, if Magnussen outperforms him by that much, then you have a comparison of what you can do with this car, right? And yeah. uh, now that it's competitive, they'll be more eager to get those points, the team, and less patient to, to wait for development. So yeah, he, I, I still believe he can do it. It's in his name. Oh, yeah. He it. just needs to get into a, into a zone where he doesn't have major incidents. Well, he didn't have major incidents in Bahrain. He just didn't drive to the fullest extent of the car, I feel. Well, and he, at the end, the strategy call by the team just didn't work out staying out on used tires which you know essentially i think would have cost him the points you so, reckon he would have gotten points if he would have pitted hmm? he would have needed what one overtake i think maybe because he stayed in and then he got ninth instead of 11th i think and it 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 helped him for a very short time he would have had a better chance let's put it that way because he was struggling immediately from the restart there Mm. But um, I think he'll he'll do all right. He just okay, needs to get enough. it. He needs to get it down before this summer break because oh for sure, that's when the the driver market gets crazy. Yeah, silly season. Although, exactly. But I haven't heard. You know, let's think about silly season. Who do we think? So, I think Piastri will want to mount a proper challenge to get into Formula One. Yeah, he'll, he'll get in. Um, probably into Alpine by Alonso dropping out is, is what I would think. Yeah, but Alonso wants to do one more year after, I think. You reckon? Okay. It's the, that um, will be, he'll have to be bad to, to, for that to happen. Yeah. I reckon Ricardo will be looking for a new position. Really? Yeah. Because he's on the tail end and wants to... Well, you know, the McLaren's not the McLaren's not that good. He was hoping for something that can at least challenge. He could go uh, to Haas. Year. He could go he, to Haas. He could go to Haas. Yeah, with Magnussen, that would be a cool lineup. Yeah. Um. Who else? Yeah, and, and other than that, I don't reckon there will be that many that many things going on. Uh, if Hamilton, if Mercedes gets really shit, Hamilton might be looking for something. I think his contract's up by the, by the end of this year. But other than that, who you know, because there's a, quite a few new faces and quite a few very Gasly. established old players. Aston Martin might might look to um, replace Vettel if he doesn't do too well this season. And you know, I think <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say he, might he be doesn't come back from COVID. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vettel, by the way, didn't race this weekend. This past weekend. I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I figure, that. you know, if he doesn't, you know, because the Aston Martin's a dog, so it's not it's like he'll terrible. have. 
it's not like he'll have a great car to kind of race around with, so he probably won't be super into the idea. Like they're then, worse than last year, Aston Martin. It's it's they're they're right back with Williams. Like it's the two of them. Those are the yeah. worst cars, like by a mile. And yeah. uh, maybe it comes with Mercedes engine developments that they're a bit further up, but I don't see them catching the Ferrari powered engines because that seems yeah. to be a very solid machine. So I think we'll have a really cool battle between Alpine or mostly Alfa Romeo and Haas, but um, maybe McLaren will mix in there. But those four teams should be fairly close together come uh, the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I, I would like to see how the Aston Martin perform a bit better, but to be honest, I just don't see it. I'd like Vettel to get one podium because he's had a streak of quite a few years. I think yeah, 14 true. seasons or so where he's had a podium consecutive. So it'd be nice to see uh, another one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That'd be really fun. I mean, I always want to see Vettel succeed. But I think, you know, because he hasn't had a car to do it with in a few years. And I think he might be, I think we might be reaching the end of his patience with Formula One and its teams as well. That's true. That's true. Um, okay. Yeah. So here, I forgot one team. The, uh-huh. the battle, I think for the best of the rest, which is P4 right now in terms of like teams, mm-hmm. uh, I'm assuming Mercedes will do their developments. Then the current constructors looks pretty accurate because Alpine P4, Haas P5. Alfa Romeo P6, Alfa Tauri P7, McLaren P8. Four through eight are 10 points apart right now. So it's yeah. one big race weekend, essentially, from like going across and uh, take overtaking all those, uh, yeah. which is really neat. And uh, I expect it to stay pretty close, to be honest. Yeah. And I think most of those teams that you mentioned, um, especially between, let's call it four and six, are so close together that I could genuinely see it kind of switch around track to track. I think Alpine is looking strong. That's what I'm saying. I think Alpine might be the clear-cut favorite, but all the other teams are like, you know, I can see it going either way. Like, I think McLaren will do fairly well throughout the season. They'll they'll get back Mm -hmm. to this season, maybe fighting for P5 at best, kind of. That that might be their thing. Yeah. But then we have both of the Alpha teams. Um... And Haas. And honestly, if Schumacher starts doing well and Magnussen continues, Haas can be insanely they have a real good. Shot at fifth, yeah. Yeah. Even fourth if they continue. It's crazy. If Mick starts adding his points, they would be ahead of Alpine by now. Yeah. And I would I certainly hope so because they're my team on the uh, Formula One fantasy. <laughs> I had a pretty good weekend, actually. You did. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I had a pretty good weekend too. And I thought you still had a better one and you you outdid me by like seven points or so yeah close close but uh yeah we're getting there it's gonna be fun the fantasy thing i like so far so for anyone that still wants to join you can do it race by race and join from whatever race you want uh i haven't even done any substitutions or anything yet oh no i've done three substitutions my my first bet was pretty shit i had i had norris fettel and another mercedes power thing in there well, Vettel probably got zero points, which was better than some of your other drivers. Well, you got you got Hulkenberg <laughs> points instead. Oh, you did. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, but now I have Verstappen, Littlerk, Sainz, uh, Magnussen, and Gasly as my turbo, um, as well as Haas as the car. 
I have Ferrari as the car, and that's been a very yeah. that's paid off so far. And Verstappen yeah. is driver, which finally paid off. Yeah, that's essentially the same as having Leclerc and uh, and Sainz in the drivers. I think so. I don't think there's any difference, to be honest. Yeah. Great. Well, um, on that note, that kind of concludes the weekend. And uh, obviously, the topic was Formula One. Thanks a lot, Toby, for going through it. As it will be this year, I think. It will be a little bit F1 dominated. But um, we're still going to try and get our occasional guests here and there in. Um, Next week, we have a non-Formula One week. Exactly. Exactly. We'll see what surprise we bring you then. Yes. Um, Yes. Anything else, Toby? Final thoughts? No. No, I'm good. I'm looking forward to sleeping. It's a shame we've lost an hour. That's a great final thought. Well, we lost the hour yesterday, so today it's the same. True. But hey, it's finally dark outside. I would describe myself as conscious yesterday. (laughs) Great. All right. Um, Then thank you very much for listening. You made it to the end. Hashtag welcome to the end. Let's go. Good for you. And talk to you again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. We look at Scott's fat fingers trying to type away on his new iPad.